Brooke family, Brooke family. Brooke family. Well, we can begin to make our way back to our seats. It is, it is a good new year. How many of you guys excited to be in 2019? I know many of us may be recovering from staying up late many days. And uh, I just want to let you know that I'm so, so glad to be commencing this first Sunday um, in, in the new year with, with our church family. Um, if this is your first time here at the Brook, I just want to say welcome, welcome. My name is uh, Pastor Jeremy. I'm one of the leaders here at the Brook. I, I hope to meet you after service. I want to invite you to stick around. Afterwards, we, we have a, a time of light refreshments downstairs. Hope you found your way well throughout uh, the building. Um, but with that, yeah, I also got a text from Pastor Eric as well. Um, he's, he's in the Holy Land, not in Orlando. Um, the holy land, the real holy land in Jerusalem, um, and he said he he's he's really excited, really eager, as Candy said, to just get back and and tell us all that God has done um, out there. He, he also um, has been posting that he's, he'll never read his Bible ever again, and I'm sure we'll we'll reap the benefits of that as well. Um, I, I also want to thank you guys. I, I, w- I just came back from a two week um, vacation time in Florida. It was, it, I was suffering with the saints at the beach. Um, it, was, it was amazing, but yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for, for giving me that space and time um, just to connect with, with the Lord, first and foremost, um, but also to connect with my family. That's uh, where I'm originally from, um, so that's just uh, a wonderful time just to be with family, come back into the new year, I'm ready to, to do great things with God, right, and great things with, with our church family. And, you know, usually uh, when we start the new year, um, we, we try to start with, with some sort of sermon on prayer. Maybe you've heard Pastor Eric, if you've been here in the past, say that prayer isn't the bailout plan, although prayer is good when we need a bailout. It's the starting place. We want to start this year um, learning about the nature of prayer. And as I was, um, as I was there sitting... At the, I really believe the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and just, just wanted me to, to tell you that if you're here today, God is calling you, drawing you into his presence. And I felt that for myself, and I felt like I, I needed to share that. But as I was thinking about that as we were singing, I just thought, I started thinking about how, how oftentimes in life we try to look for something outside of ourselves in order to rescue us from the different things that we deal with, right? And if you're like me, maybe you're excited about the new year, or maybe you're fearful of what's to come. And, and if, you're, if you're a believer, you're in, you're in one of three places. Either one, you're in a trial, you're going into a trial, or you're coming out of a trial, right? And, and for us, you know, we have these big plans, and, and we try to alleviate them with resolutions, and that's great, and we, and we want you to have rev- resolutions and goals, uh, but at the end of the day, we want our lives to be driven by God, not by fear or by our own bailout plan in this life. You know, in the world, sometimes they look to the universe. You ever heard that? Like, we'll let the universe take care of that. 
Or maybe sometimes, you know, I notice, I notice um, many of our youth, when, when we talk about um, life, you know, it seems like many of our youth in our day and in our culture, they kind of escape life through, through a numerous amount of times on video games. I mean, just reading an article about that and how, how, how oftentimes it's an escape from the woes that they face, the rejection that they face in school. You know, we might look to our career, we might look to our loved ones to, to kind of help us escape from our own depravity, our own weaknesses. But today, church family, I just want to remind us that prayer is ultimately communication with God. And there's no power in prayer in and of itself, but there's power in the God that we pray to. That's what Pastor Eric often says. And I think that's just a powerful reminder that no matter what we face this year, that God is over the universe. God is over video games. God is over our school and work situations. Therefore, we should be looking to God and communicating with God in order for how we should live our lives in, in, in the various contexts that we find ourselves. So I'm going to ask you um, to go to Samuel, 1 Samuel, uh, chapter 23. And if you're using the Bible underneath the chair, um, can somebody just shout out, shout, shout out the, the page number? We're going to be in Samuel. That's in the Old Testament, the first section of the Bible. Samuel chapter 23. 245 is the page in the pews underneath the seat. If you don't own a Bible, you can, you can uh, take that home as a gift from us at the brook. And if you could stand, if you would stand with me and look at this text as we get ready to hear about God's action in prayer. 1 Samuel chapter 23 in the Old Testament. It says, now David, behold, the now they told David, behold, the Philistines are fighting against Kila and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord. I want to highlight that, underline that when you get a second. Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Kila. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Kyla against the armies of the Philistines? Then David, you see this word again, inquired of the Lord again. And the Lord answered him, Arise, go down to Kyla, for I will give the Philistines into your hands. And David and his men went to Kyla and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow, so David saved the inhabitants of Kila. When Abiathar, the son of Amalek, had fled to David in Kila, he had came down with an ephod in his hand. Now it was told to Saul that David had come to Kila, and Saul said, God has given him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. And Saul summoned all the people to war to go down to Kila to besiege David and his men. 
David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod here. And David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Kila to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Kila surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, will the men of Kila surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will surrender you. And David and his men, who were about 600, arose and departed from Kila, and they went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David escaped from Kila, he gave up his expedition. And David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul saw him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for narratives like these, God. And we just pray, Lord, that today your Holy Spirit, Lord, would tug on our hearts, Lord would convict us of sin, Lord, that would help us bring our fears to you, Lord. God, and I just pray that today, Lord, you would have a divine encounter with us, Lord, as we learn about prayer. Oh, God, this is such a big task, Lord. God, and forgive us for not praying enough, Lord, but I pray that you would refresh us today, Lord, that you would ignite us to be a praying people today, Lord. God, and that we would see your power move, in the Holy Spirit, God, in our lives, in our families, and in our cities. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. So as we looked at in the text, this is, this is a pretty hard narrative because King David, who was a king in the Old Testament, he's between a, hard, a rock and a hard place. And I want to give you a little bit of context that brought us to chapter 23, all right, just just to catch you up to speed. And the context in which our text is found, it's in a time in the nation of Israel where where Pastor Eric is. And in the nation at that time, uh, the, the people wanted to appoint a king. They didn't have a king because God was their leader, but the people, they started seeing other nations around them having kings, and they wanted a king like the other nations. And God warned them about what would happen if they got a king, but nevertheless, they said, we still want a king, and they appointed this man named Saul. Now, King Saul wasn't a very wise king. God had appointed him he seemingly was the best fit at a time. If you read the beginning of this, of this book or this narrative, you would see that God appointed him. But then it comes to a point where he began to do things his own way. He began to be foolish. He, he stopped seeking God, and he tried to manipulate the hand of God when he was fearful in the midst of battle. Because as we see in this text, the nation of Israel was around a lot of enemies. And these enemies were not only against God's people, they were ultimately against God because these enemies had a God attached to their nations. However, 
when King Saul began to grow impatient and not seek the Lord and do things his own way, God began to raise up this young king named David. Now, David was a fly dude. You see, David was a shepherd boy, so he worked hard with his hands. And God, he saw that Saul wasn't wasn't following him, and he needed to raise up a man like David, this shepherd boy. And David was not only a shepherd boy, he was also a warrior, and he actually defeated one of the Philistines' greatest champions named Goliath. Ever heard of Goliath? And he strikes him down on behalf of the Lord with, with, with some stones. And what we see in the text is that when he got back home, all, all the girls were singing, Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. Imagine that. So they were praising this, this young boy of all that he did, and he, he was also a, a musician. So he, he had it going on. He looked good. He was handsome, smelled good, all of that. He was the total package. So guess what happened to Saul? He starts looking at King David, and he's like, man, this dude is going to take my kingdom. And I know that God has appointed him. So not only at this time did the nation have external conflict with the Philistines and other enemies that were attached to these different gods, they also had conflict within because there were people who were following David. And in the text, you see how the the poor, the oppressed, those who were depressed were with David. And David is literally on the run from his king, the one that he's serving, yet he's still serving him faithfully. And here in this text, we see that the Philistines are attacking Kyla. Kyla, so as we look at this text, I just kind of want to recap what we saw. What we see is that David, he successfully rescues a vulnerable city. In the first five verses, what we see is that David is on the run. He's, he's hiding out. The Bible says he's in the wilderness. He's hiding out in caves. And he doesn't do everything perfect while he's in the wilderness. But while he's, he's there, he gets a report. He gets a report, and, he, and it says, the Philistines are attacking Kyla. Why was this city so significant? The reason why this city was significant was because it was a city that was extremely fortified. It was about 18 miles southwest of Jerusalem, which was kind of like the capital city, the, the, the head of state city for, for, for Israel. And Kyla was there, but it was a difficult city to capture because of the bars and the walls that surrounded it. But here, he got noticed that the Philistines were, were robbing the threshing floors. What's the threshing floor? Outside of the city gates, there, there was these fields where, where they had the crops. So the first thing that the Philistines were doing was they were attacking and stealing their food supply and killing off their laborers. That, that, that's that's a, a, a good strategy, right, to, to cut off energy from the people, chaos, and To make matters worse, they're a city that's shut in, one way in, one way out, and the people are there desperate, afraid. And David gets the news. 
So what does David do? David prays and asks the Lord if he should go and recapture the city. Now think about this. David doesn't even have a home. And on top of that, he has about 600 men who are following him who don't have homes either on the run with him. For all intensive purposes, David is a fugitive. He's an immigrant, yet still serving his king, but at the same time, he's faced with a real dilemma of saving other people who are just as vulnerable as he is. So David prays. And he asked the Lord, should I recapture the city? And the Lord says, yes, go recapture the city. But then his army comes to him, and they're like, David, King David, the one to be, are you crazy? We're going to go capture the city, the city that's vulnerable. We ourselves are not even safe in our own land. We're on the run. What are you talking about? This is crazy. They were seeking their own interests. So what does David do? David prays a second time. And God reassures David that he will hand them over, it's the Philistines, into their hand. What does David and his men do? Man, I could just imagine David rallying up his troops. Like a good general, good commander, just saying, listen, guys, I know we're in a vulnerable place. I know that we might be risking our lives. I know that the cost is, I know that maybe some of you might die. But I know God. God has never abandoned just imagine David talking to them and just saying, and when God speaks, God moves. And when God assures, we can trust that God will come through for us and for these people who are vulnerable with us. I could just imagine him having those type of conversations and rallying them up and them getting, having a hurrah moment. And saying that the Lord is going to fight our battle. So what ends up happening, they end up going to Kyla. You know, these 600 men, you know, I could just imagine them like James Bond and them. Like, you know, just, oh, James Bond didn't have a, a huge knife. Sorry. I, I, but I could just imagine them just, just going to town against these armies, rescuing the people, kissing little babies, you know, giving them over to, to safety. And it says... The city was safe and also the food that had been stolen. So not only did God use David to protect Kyla, but he also provided through David. Man. The Bible says that David rescued Kyla that day. Man, can you just imagine David's camp? David's men just being like, man, we could trust God's word. Man, we, we, we did our thing because God was with us. Man, God is so true. I could, I could just imagine them just worshiping God. 
But then the story shifts. David gets bad news again. Remember that king that he's on the run? The king that he just served? He literally just saved the city for this king. To, to, to save a city was not only an insult, it was also a lack of allegiance from some people if they, if, if they defected or if they gave in. But David didn't give in. David was faithful to a kingdom that wasn't faithful to him. So what ends up happening? When David gets the news that Saul was coming to get him in Kyla because Saul got word of this, David prays a third time. And I want you to look at his prayer here. Verse 10. It says, Then David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul comes, uh, seeks to come to Kilah to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Kilah surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O oh Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, will the men of Kilah surrender me and my men? And the Lord said, they will. So here we see that David is not only a man who rescues on behalf of God, but is also betrayed on behalf of God, not on behalf of God, on the people that he just saved. But he prays. He comes to God with specific questions. Now, now this is an interesting feature because in the, in, in, the, in the passage before, when it says that David inquired of the Lord, it didn't make mention of an ephod. What, what was an ephod? What an ephod was, was this, this sort of a priestly garment that only priests can wear because you couldn't just come to God any old way. You had, to come, you had to come in a certain way that was set apart. You had to cleanse yourself of certain things because God is so perfect and so holy, which means that he was so separate from humanity. So only priests could come to God. So, God, so David, he, he, he meets this fugitive priest named Abiathar, and he says, yo, let, let me get that F out. I, I, I got to go inquire of the Lord. And on this ephod, what it had was these, these two stones, one on each shoulder that had the names of the tribes of Israel. And, and some scholars say that when the priests would pray about specific things, they would look at these stones and, and, and ask God specific questions and see if those stones lit up to see if there was a yes or a no on certain things. But the purpose of it Regardless of, of, of what you believe about that, that effort, at the end of the day, it meant that they were seeking the mind and the will of God. See, David wasn't like Saul. If you would read about Saul before this, Saul would try to fabricate things to happen because he was afraid. Yet David here, he's afraid. His men are afraid. He gets bad news twice. And he goes to God to seek God's mind. 
on the matter. So what ends up happening? David verified with the Lord about what Saul happened. And the Lord said, not only will Saul come to the city, but also the city that you just saved will hand you over to him. Now think about that. Why would people betray the man that just rescued them? We, we could be so judgmental sometimes. We could be like, oh, man, that's messed up. No new friends. David, you should have you listened to that song. You get that on the way home if you don't know about that song. But at the end of the day, we can't blame them to a certain degree, even though, yeah, they betrayed David, they were probably afraid too. Like, if we don't hand over David, guess what? It's our lives too. And David even says that himself. David says, God, are these, is Saul coming with his army to kill this city on, because of me? So they betrayed David to the one who, who could potentially kill them, not save them. David prays. What's the outcome? When David prays, God protected David and his men day to day from Saul. The Bible specifically says that God did not let David be handed over to Saul. But it's interesting, I was, I was thinking about this, because we could look at David and say, man, God, you really, really protected David. That's amazing. But God not only protected David, because he protected David, he also protected the people. Even though they were willing to betray the one who had just rescued So what does this tell us about this story? Well, first, we got to look at we got to look at Saul and we got to look at David. You see, Saul, even in this passage, he devised his own plan. Saul was led by his jealousy, not by God. Sort of like us. So many times we could look at the gram, we could look at Twitter, we could look at our friends, we could look at our neighbors, and we, we could say, like, man, I, I want what they have. We can look at other families and be like, man, I want a family like that. I want to do this. I want to do that. And we just stay coveting. We try to pursue those things, even if it means belittling other people. Saul was led by this type of jealousy. And Saul was so jealous and so in his mind that he even confused his own plan for God's plan. In the text it says that he said, surely God has handed over David to me. Oh, that's a scary place to be, y'all. When we confuse our own way for God's way, we're in bad shape and this is what Saul's doing. So Saul, he saw evil. And the interesting thing is that although Saul thought and interpreted that this was God's doing, actually God's hand was against Saul. But David was different. 
David prayed for protection. The story tells us that David inquired of the Lord three times. David inquired of the Lord three times. He got on his knees. He sought the Lord for protection. He sought the Lord for rescue. And God answered in each occasion. But not only did God give him answers, David also believed God's word. And he believed it so much that he obeyed it. Therefore, God rescued Kyla and David. So what does this story teach us about God and ourselves? What does this story teach us about prayer? Church family, I really want us to take hold of this as we go into this new year. Is that God's rescue plan is handed over to us in prayer. God's witness protection program for us is handed over to you and me when we get on our knees. When we come to God, God speaks and God is not silent. This week I was, I was going through my journal throughout the year and I was reminded of, of a speaker that I was listening to. It was actually at, at, at the men's retreat. And, he's in, and I wrote this down. I don't know where I got this from, but, but I wrote this down. Um, it, it must have been the speaker. He said, he said, so many times it's not that God doesn't speak. God does speak. Most of the times it's just, we're just not submissive to God's voice. So sometimes we're in a little dilemma or, or we're trying to make these plans. You're trying to make this goal. 2019 is my time. You know, my time to shine. I'm going to go all out. I'm going to go on the gram by the house. I'm going to do all these things. And that's wonderful. That's wonderful. But church family, is that God agenda for your life? Is that God's program for my life? Maybe you're in school. Maybe you're like, man, I see all my friends, you know, they got a girlfriend, they got a boyfriend, you know, I'm a little cute now, I can do my thing. Right? Some of y'all, all the youth put their head down. I know it's a little awkward. I know it's a little awkward. We can talk about it later. So many times, so many times we don't go to God for prayer, young people. We don't ask God to show us. What do you want from my life? What college should I choose? Should I go to college? Should I go to the trade? I mean, we're, we're trying to escape, you know, these different weaknesses that we have in other people and things. Here, David, he believed God's word and obeyed it. So what does this teach us about God? What does this teach us about God? See, God is not like the universe. God is over the universe. God is a good God. So when we pray, God listened to David. God listens to us. From this, we see that God answers specifically. And God rescues from danger. So what does that tell us about God? is that God's plans are better than our plans, even if they don't make sense in the immediate circumstances that we find ourselves. But we, what do we learn about ourselves? We tend to be like Saul and David's army. 
We protect our own kingdoms. I bought this house. I bought these shoes. This is my life. I can do whatever I want, even if it's at the expense of other people. And not only that, because we have our own kingdoms, oftentimes we have our own agendas. And what we see from the text, like Saul, oftentimes we confuse God's agenda for our agenda, and we're actually against God's mission. And the joke's on us, because we end up fighting meaningless battles. But there's good news, because that's all of us. We all do that. We've all fallen short. And maybe you're here and you're like, man, I've made so many bad decisions in 2018, 2019. I'm trying to rectify it by doing this thing. How, how do I get out of this? I thought I was going to be in the gram, uh, you know, flossing, trying to get a new job, trying to do all of these things. I, th- I, I thought that was the plan, but, but Pastor Jeremy, you just, you just messed that all up. What, what hope do I have? Well, the good news is, that Jesus is a better king than David. Jesus, see, was of the lineage of David. See, God, all throughout history, he used people like David to rescue the humanity. And he used David mightily to save Kyla. He, he used him in a miraculous way with 600 men, not only to save Kyla, but to save his men and save, and save himself. And that king ultimately had children, and their children had children, and their children had children. And ultimately what we see is King Jesus steps on the scene, y'all, as we read in Christmas. And he was also a king. And throughout his public ministry, he was a man of prayer. And he not only obeyed God's word, he fulfilled God's word to the point that he went on a cross for all the bad decisions that we made. And on the third day, the Spirit of God, the Bible says, resurrected him. He came to life. And he offered that resurrected life to you and me. And now, when we seek God because of Jesus, we are not only rescued, but we also have access to plans in light of our resurrected life. Why is that important? Because so many times we might look alive, y'all, in the world. We might look alive to our coworkers. You might even have a lot of money. You might have a lot of success. You might have all of these things. But at the end of the day, church family, those things do not equate with spiritual vibrancy. So, here what we see is that David was used by God to rescue a people, himself, and his men. And the good news is, is that Jesus today, uh, today, right now, he's offering all of us to rescue us from our sin, from our weakness, 
from our, from our humiliation, from the things that, that, that we want to hide and that we're ashamed of. Jesus is here to rescue us from those things. You see, Jesus, he's not only a God who rescues, he's also a God who paid the price for our rescue by his own death. So that the worst thing that could happen to us is death, but the best thing that can happen to us is that we got eternal life. So we got nothing to lose. We got nothing to lose. So today I just want to leave you with five strategies that we can employ for praying for God's protection or God's rescue in 2019. Five strategies. The first one is, when you get bad news, bring your fears and your drama to King Jesus. You see, the men were afraid. They were like, we're already on the run. Man, we're already broke, David. We don't even got a house. They came to David, though. We could come to Jesus. Another strategy we can employ is ask God specific questions about your situation. David asked God specific questions. God, are they coming to get me? Yes, they're coming to get you. Will these people hand me over? Yes, they're going to hand you over. God is not afraid of the most mundane prayer requests. It could be everything from how should I spend my money today to should I work out today to what should I eat or who should I date? Should I go on this date? How how do I fix my marriage? I mean, you name it. God can give you an exact response, but it takes specific questions. The third strategy is listen for specific answers that align with following Jesus. You know, so many times we read our Bibles and we're like, but the Bible doesn't say what I should eat today. And it's a valid question. But the Bible tells you everything that you need to know in order to follow King Jesus. So a good way to know if God has given you the green light is if it brings you closer to Jesus. If it draws you more farther apart than Jesus, then it's probably not a good decision. So listen for specific answers that align with walking with Jesus. The fourth strategy that I want to give you today is believe what God's wisdom says in the Bible, even if it's risky. You know, the Bible tells us everything from money, relationships, to investments, to, I don't know why I keep talking about money. Maybe the Lord is prompting you to invest in a million dollars now. You got it, right? Like the Bible has topics on all of these things, or at least gives us the wisdom to know how to handle through those things. And the fifth strategy is move on the decision with trusted community, family. You know, so many times we make isolated decisions because we either know that our our, our family is not going to agree with us. But sometimes we just, we have our own agenda. And if you're like me, you're like, man, I, I just don't want to hear from nobody. I don't want to hear no if, and, or buts. I just want to do my own thing. 
But you know what, y'all? God blesses us through communion. And some of the best things, some of the best decisions that we can make is with community. King David did it. King David went with his men. He captured that city. His men were with him. The Bible says at the end, man, he was going through the wilderness. He was on the run. We're all we got, y'all. We may not be on the run, but we're on a mission. And we go through things. We need each other. So we need to talk to each other. Hey, I'm going through this. Hey, man, I'm struggling with this. Can we talk? Can we, can we, can we, can, can we just converse about this? All right? Those are the five, five strategies. Five, yeah. So bring your fears. Ask God for specific questions, with specific questions. Listen to, for specific answers. Believe God's wisdom from the Bible and move on decisions with community. Family, are you in need of rescue? Are you in need of protection? Where are you today? What are you seeking, church family? What am I seeking? Am I seeking my own kingdom, my own agenda? You know, when I think about being between a rock and a hard place, I think about this dude named Aaron Rolston. And he was literally between a rock and a hard place. And the reason why is because he went on a hike in Utah through this canyon, this canyon called Blue John Canyon. And as he was climbing down a boulder, I would never do this, by the way, especially by myself, but some people, they love that stuff. Now, he, was, he was climbing down a boulder, and it became dislodged. It, it came down, and on his way down, both of his arms were injured, but one in particular was smashed. Now, he had no way to be contacted. He had no way um, to, 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 to call for help, even though he did. Nobody could hear him. So he stood in that rock for five days. For five days, and all he had was like two burritos and a little bit of water. So he was like eating that slowly, slowly, just trying to survive. And by the end of the day, he ended up amputating his arm. Because he was isolated, alone, between a rock and a hard place, literally struggling, calling for help, dehydrated, sick, weak. was rescued, but it came at a big price. Sometimes life is like an 800-pound boulder. That's how, that's how big this rock was. And we ourselves, we feel weak, we feel dry spiritually, we feel isolated and alone, like, man, nobody understands what I'm going through. We feel like the only way out is by taking our own drastic measures. And what ends up happening is that God still bails us out, but oftentimes it's with a, we're spiritually decapitated. But God is still good. Because even in the midst of that, Jesus still uses even our weaknesses. And he doesn't just keep us there. So may I propose to you that Jesus, in 2019, 
wants to protect you and wants to rescue you. He wants to protect your emotions, your decisions. He wants to protect you from the circumstances that you feel, that you face in your job, in your families. Jesus wants to do that. But the question on the floor is, will you ask him? Will you pray? Will you come to Jesus and pray with Jesus, the God the Father, for your specific questions? Will you do that, church? It's 2019. Let's pray. Father, we, we, just, we just thank you, Lord. Because so many times, Lord, we, we do make decisions, Lord, that um, don't honor you. That's how many times we're so fearful, God, of the outcome of our lives. We're so fearful of, um, Lord, how, how we're going to eat or how, how we're going to work, where we're going to work. Father, we try to take all of these things into our own hands. Oh, God, I just want to pray for those people right now, Lord, um, who find their dignity and their value, uh, God, in self-promotion. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would bring down those walls, Lord. God, you see our shame, you see our hurt, you see our sin, God, you see our fear, Lord, and we just bring it to you right now, Lord. Oh, God, ignite our prayer life. Ignite our prayer life. Speak to us. Speak right now, Holy Spirit. Speak right now, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church family, right now, we're going to get ready to, to sing a song to close. But I'm going to ask our prayer counselors to come up. And maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I, I, I want to pray to Jesus for the first time. I don't really know Jesus, but I want him to be my king. If that's you here today, I just want to ask you to come on up. Pray with one of our prayer counselors. They'll kind of unpack what that means. But maybe you're here today and you're saying like, man, I have a great 2019 planned or, man, I don't know what to do about 2019. I need God's rescue plan through prayer. I want to encourage you to come on up and pray here in the front or in the back. All right? Stand in worship. song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you the name above every other name Jesus the only one who could ever save worthy of every breath we could ever be we live for you oh we live no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me 
sing worthy. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever breathe. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever be, we live for you. Oh, we live for you. Oh, we, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder show. Yeah. 
that bridge once more time, I will build my life. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap praise? I, I, I want to I leave you with, with a blessing in just a moment, but I also want to invite you to come downstairs, have a, a good time of refreshment, let God continue to, to minister to you. If, if, if need be, you can stay here. Um, I asked this to the worship, lead, the, the worship team before um, the, the service started. I said, uh, family, what is your sin? What is your fear? What are your questions? What are those things? Bring them to God. Bring them to God. God wants to forgive us. God wants to give us direction. God is for us if we just come to him. All right, so I want to leave you with this blessing from, from Zephaniah 317. It says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with a gladness. He will quiet you by his love and he will exalt over you, church family, with loud singing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.